All right, that means recording, and if we're recording, that means that you are listening to the Stan vs. Man podcast. Hello and welcome again. My name is Andrew Lillard. And I'm Tyler Hackrett. And this is the Stan vs. Man podcast. I know I already said that, but hey, what are you going to do? This week, Tyler, which which part were you playing? This week on the Stan vs. Man podcast, I was playing the part of regular old, just, just chillin' man. So that means I was a Stan, and this week, what movie did I choose, Tyler? Uh, the results say that you were standing hard, a movie called La La Land? La La Land, I beat you to it. Do you ever beat me again? <laughs> Dude, I'll beat something of yours. No anyway, more cock and ball torture for you, young man. This week, I chose the movie La La Land, came out in 2016, starring Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, John Legend, and many more. John or uh, J. Jonah Jameson is in there. Fucking, who else was in this movie? There actually wasn't a very, like, it was actually a pretty unknown cast. But, nonetheless, La La Land is the movie that I chose. Tyler, what experience, if any, do you have with this movie? I have no experience with this movie. The only thing that, you know, can really draw me towards it is the fact that Ryan Gosling is not Ryan Reynolds, but should be. And Emma Stone, I really like Emma Stone. That's honestly, that's the only, that's, that's what I got into this movie going, like looking for a little bit of context. This movie came out in 2016, which spoiler alert was me and Tyler's graduation year. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this came out after we graduated actually December 9th. It's saying so it did. Oh yeah. Okay. So I, okay. Um, I thought it came out a little bit before I could have sworn I saw this in like November, but Hey, what are you going to do? Um, context, I was at this point a broke college student working at the local YMCA, trying to make ends meet in college, um, going to study mass communications or television, film, radio, and what else was it? Print media. That's what it was. Television, radio, and print media. And this was... I would say this was the like winter blockbuster movie of that year that, um, you know, up for multiple Academy Awards, uh, best actress in a leading role, best music, best directing, best cinematography, Golden Globe for best actor and actress, really just a star-studded list of Oscar and Golden Globe noms after the after this movie came out. And being a film student at the time, I I mean, I had to watch this movie, um, but I was not expecting to latch onto it as much as I was. I figured just going into it, I'd be watching, you know, uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling movie. Um, I didn't really know. I didn't really have any pre like context going into it. I didn't know what it was about. Didn't read anything about it. And I would say I was blown the fuck away. At the time, holy yeah, shit. With no preconceived notions, just expecting, like, hopefully a decent musical. I had seen The Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2 but up to that point, and I was like, Emma Stone's hot, right? No, she's actually an amazing actress, and I did not realize the range she had. After the movies that she was in after this, like The Help and everything, really kind of emboldened her status as this, like, cult classic uh, leading actress. But before this, I had never even really experienced much of her, minus like Easy A that came in like 2008, I think. When did Easy A come out? 
2010. Yep, so pretty close. close. And then Zombieland would really be your next thing. Oh, I forgot about Zombieland. And we can all forget about Zombieland. Okay, so, you know, in the Rugrats episode, uh, you got on to me for mentioning, rightfully so, I'll say, the Emoji movie and something else. I'm getting on to you for that. Get the fuck out of here. You know what? Cancel this episode. Next Stand versus Man, Zombieland. I love... I love Zombieland. I don't know why I gave it so much shit. It's it's not. Uh, I mean, it's a good movie. It's just not like a a great movie. Following this movie, she was in Battle of the Sexes, The Favorites. Uh, have you seen Maniac? I have not. Ooh, you should. It's a like mini mini series starring Emma Stone and Jonah Hill on Netflix. It's a fucking fantastic mini series, but. Let's see. Um, Ryan Gosling before this, he had done The Proposal, Just Friends, and I also believe he was in The Croods. Oh, sorry, that's Ryan Reynolds. I cannot tell the fucking difference. And okay, audience, I'm done. That's the last time I'm making this joke. Probably. That's the last time I'm making this joke in the podcast. I'm holding myself to that. And then after this podcast is done, the timer will have reset. Does he look like Ryan Reynolds? I I keep thinking, but let's see here. So from my perspective, so what we said, 2016, uh, this is when the movie came out. Yeah. So from my perspective, coming hot off the presses of us and the other member of the squad, you know, wanted to, to, to break it big in film, uh, was doing nothing of the sort. I was just working at a grocery store uh, two months away from the worst breakup of my life. And it never even I heard about this movie come out because I remember people said that it was good. Uh, said that it was something that should be watched, especially because I had a lot of theater friends and not necessarily is that one to one, but all of those theater friends that I still talk to liked this movie a lot, but I didn't watch it when it came out. This would be the first time uh, actually today, which would be in August when we're recording this uh, is actually the first time I watched it. Yeah, that movie. Um, it was. One of the movies, I remember I went to a really small community college just outside of, like, our hometown, basically. And I remember it was one of four movies the local movie theater was playing at the time. And so me and my girlfriend of the time decided to go to it. And that we were both in the mass communications and the film program at the, uh, at the community college. And we were both just the most generic, white, like... One day I'm going to make it big and go to L.A. and move out and blah, 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 which, you know, fingers crossed still. But that was the context going into this movie. And I think that's part of the reason why I was latching onto it, because it really does from the very first shot in the movie. You get this kind of whimsical, almost like fantastical view of what L.A. means, of what L.A kind of what it symbolizes to the youth and to the creatives of our generation and younger and older even. Um, You know, it, everybody thinks LA and they think, you know, the stars, the lights, the glamour, the, you know, the LA-ness. It's where you go to make it. You're going to go there, get big and life is going to be great. It's where you go. If you're a big name brand's, movie star director anything you live you breathe you sleep la and this movie does nothing to take away from that 
it all the entire movie is just a love letter towards classic Hollywood, classic cinema. There's a whole what would you say probably like fifth of the movie dedicated to Rebel Without a Cause and the uh, Griffith Observatory and all the classic like landmark L.A. monuments. They don't show the Hollywood sign in there, actually, do they? Uh, I don't remember seeing a shot that focused on it. Now, if it was in the I background, maybe, it. but there wasn't like a shot that that would stick out in the movie as like, you know, haha, okay, I know that they're in Hollywood. I don't know why I said haha right, before that. But everything from the cinematography to the lighting to the musical score to everything just paints this beautiful picture of what L.A. means to, especially at the time, a film student in small town Kansas just trying to make it, you know, with big dreams of L.A. and moving out and going off to produce my own pictures and direct my own uh, feature length films. You know, this movie, it stuck with me and I would venture to say it still sticks with me. Run us through a breakdown. What Give us kind of a quick synopsis of what goes on during this movie. So, opening scene is traffic-packed L.A. Daytime. <laughs> Noon, 11, 11 o'clock, probably. 86 degrees. <laughs> Just kidding, it's L.A. It's like probably 96 degrees on that asphalt. There's a three-mile-per-hour headwind from the north-northwest. Um... No, openings from the very opening scene, um, you see our main character, Emma Stone, alongside the fo- the fellow main character, uh, Ryan Gosling. Which, who do you think? That's a good question. Who do you think was made, played the bigger part in this movie, Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling? Not just the, like, who do you think performed best, but who do you think was the main focus of the movie? Because some argue either way. Some argue whether or not it's Sebastian's, like, drive, and it's a story about him kind of overcoming his own, like, quandaries and kind of struggle with himself um, and learning to let go of some of the things that he was holding. Because the movie opens up with Sebastian, played by Ryan Gosling. It's made very apparent from the very first lines that he is, for a turn of phrase, an asshole. He's a one-track pony that only focuses... He has one and one passion in life is jazz. He doesn't want to talk to anybody who doesn't want to talk about jazz. He doesn't want to look at anybody who isn't in love with jazz. He doesn't want to date anybody that isn't a jazz lover and won't appreciate his love of jazz and won't play jazz with him. He's a jazz hound. He can't stop jazzing all over the place. And so some argue that it's a story of Ryan Gosling letting go of all of that. And it's a, oh, what kind of, what, what's the name of that story? Like a rise from the ashes, like a Phoenix story uh, for Ryan Gosling. But some argue that it's more of an Emma, it's Emma Stone is the feature of this movie. Emma Stone is the one that drives. And I mean, if you look on paper, uh, there's only one Academy Award winner from this movie and that's Emma Stone. Um, well, there's a few, but the music and the directing, I don't really count. So I think I'm going to have a weird perspective on your question at the moment. Uh, I don't think my answer right now is going to be entirely fair and to kind of set up a few things. I really, I really enjoyed the movie and I do plan on watching it again. You can kind of, and we'll plug this more at the end, we did a second piece we tried out for the first time with this. We tried something new while we were watching it. 
to answer your question, though, I do lead with Ryan Gosling, Sebastian, as the person I think this story is about. But that may be very disingenuous right now, and that may change because the reason that I lean with him being the main focus really does come down to that ending. And so we watched this movie together, Andrew and I did. Um, and during the ending scene, it, it's kind of like this big, big finale piece that's that's really shot well, and it changes up how they do it. But that hits so closely with some feelings I've had in my life that it that's kind of clouding my view right now. Um which is why I really like your question, but I feel like even that answer, I don't know if that's an appropriate answer because I, I think potentially I, I may spin on that thought when I watch it a second or third time. Interesting. I, li- I like that you brought that up because it does, the whole point of Sebastian's character is to show that you can kind of, you can fuck up as many times as you need to and I say need to because you need to fuck up. If you're going to pursue any sort of personal passion and interest in life, you're going to, you have to mess it up. There's no person that's born a expert pianist or an amazing actor or, you know, a master woodsman or craftsman or a leather worker or anything. You have to practice. And for Sebastian, he already was an amazing jazz artist going in, like at the beginning of the movie. He was known like he was a talented artist not very well known but talented but he wasn't good at being a human was the problem he didn't know how to convey his emotions and even towards the end of the movie spoiler alert which if you haven't seen the movie why are you listening to this episode um it cost him his relationship and it's all because he was too stubborn and too in his own head and too focused on his personal, uh, I don't know, a- accomplishments. His like personal trying to ventures. Gain, yeah, trying to trying to gain on that personal capitalized um, view of himself. Um, and it ultimately costs him his relationship with uh, Mia or Emma Stone or whatever you want to call her. Um, just because he ended up, he tried to, it was a classic story of trying to do something that you think your partner wants you to do, but then completely taking it out of context and just not learning from it. He fucked up. He messed up his relationship. Um, they ended it on good terms, luckily, but they both at the at the end of the movie there's a whole scene of them uh going through and they both kind of realize at one moment whenever they lock eyes across a smoky jazz club what could have been this could have been you know this could have been the rest of their lives they could have been together forever they could have lived that beautiful hollywood dream not to the glamour and glitz that they were expecting to but if they had both just gotten out of their own asses and made things work with one another with one another they could have gotten their hollywood dream and their down home midwest sensibilities with a beautiful nuclear family type environment but they just let their own personal gains and personal ventures try to cloud their mind i think what i really like about that that final scene, the final song and then showpiece that they do is 
at that point in the movie, he's come back around and you get to see him doing what he loves while also the entire moment is dreaming about what he did love and kind of like you you just know the entire time through that's what he wishes was going to happen like not for a second while i was watching that happen i was did i stop thinking okay cool so we're going to go through this dream sequence and then it's going to turn around and that's actually going to be reality like it's all going to be solved but in reality that doesn't happen in the slightest you go back to the same picture and you kind of get the sense when they're done because they give both of each other a nod and a wink it's maybe not the perfect for everybody but they're still in a in they're in a situation that's good for them and that they're overall happy or at least okay with what's going on they realize that to accomplish their big city glitz and glamour dreams they weren't the right one for each other. Could they have made them both work at the sacrif- at a small sacrifice to their dream? Yes, absolutely. Everybody can make anything work if you try hard enough at it. But at the end, they realized it was too little too late. What they could have been wouldn't have amounted to what they were as individuals. But at the, at the to the same token, them as individuals couldn't amount to you know what they could have been together with that like I said that nuclear family they both took a little bit a little bit of a hit on their dreams Sebastian in the alternate universe doesn't have his own club I don't think did he uh no because I think he followed her to Paris if I'm understanding it right and he did play in a club but it was more like you know he was there and getting to do it while he was supporting Mia you know through her dreams Really, it seemed like, and it's another reason why I, th- I think my opinion is unfair, everything I felt that he did in that, that dream sequence was playing to her and what, you know, what would have been best for her. And of course, what he thinks is best for him is being with her. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this this movie is definitely wor- worth a watch or two. What about the music? There's a lot of music in here. Um, and from, from what I listen to it of course once i go back and give it subsequent views i'll be able to appreciate it more what do you think about the music the original score for this movie is and i mean this whenever i say it is the best score of any movie i have ever watched i'm including pixar films in there and that's that's saying something for me i'm wearing a mickey shirt right the fuck now that's pretty that's pretty big and you know i think I think I need to give it more time to appreciate it. Um, and I don't know. I guess I should see what people think nowadays. It might be a cop-out answer to go, oh, I love I love The Greatest Showman. Um, I was going to bring up The Greatest Showman. listening to it, I, I, there wasn't a, a song that I hated. I really enjoyed it. For The Greatest Showman versus La La Land, um, The Greatest Showman tried to go for more theatrical like approaches towards things. They um, had these big extravagant displays, you know, at the Ringling Brothers Circuit at the uh, Barnum and Bailey's. Yeah, Barnum Barnum and Bailey's Circus. Um, They were going for more showpieces with like, you know, big extravagant crashes of the bass drum and cymbals and these uh, ludicrous like displays from Hugh Jackman 
Um, La La Land tried to go for the more subtle approach. They were going for more performative. Like, it was legitimately Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone tap dancing at one point. Um, and all of the scenes are more, it's more, it's more focused on reality than Greatest Showman. I think that's my, like, biggest takeaway between the two if we're trying to compare musical v. musical. The Greatest Showman just tried to go for more of a louder, extravagant experience, whereas La La Land tried to... They, they did it more subdued, like uh, City of Stars. Possibly one of my favorite movie, favorite songs that came out of that year. I'm not even talking in, like, musical songs. It's a great... It's a beautiful song. If you hear the whole... I encourage everybody to go listen to the whole version on YouTube. Um... It's a really beautiful song. Um, let's see what else. What else? There was the planetarium scene. Whenever they're um, they drink the fizzy lifting drinks. Yeah, they get high off of acid and then they're gone. <laughs> and then they float through the uh, Griffith Observatory. That was a beautiful song. It it's more the music is to complement the emotions of the scene. The the music is more is more complimentary, whereas the scenes were just kind of manufactured towards the songs in The Greatest Showman. And I Nothing also, wrong with that, absolutely. I love The Greatest Showman. It's one of like top twenty movies of all time, probably. But that's just the difference between the two. I feel you also do help to give me a better perspective on that because also like if um, and it's been a little bit, I, I would have to to listen to the the other soundtrack again. But from just watching this movie, all I'd say the majority of the songs, like you were saying, do help to focus on everything between Mia and Sebastian. Whereas in The Greatest Showman, you do have pieces that have multiple people in them. Uh, but I feel like a bulk of the songs, while also big and uh, you know like boisterous performances, are really about the character and how he's moving forward. And then everyone with him is kind of secondary until the end when... Uh, whatever his name, the, the basketball player from High School Musical becomes this, this the, the centerpiece. Zach Efron. Yeah, Zach Efron. No, absolutely. Like, uh, I, know it's, I know what scene you're talking about uh, specifically. When the, the scene where they're in the bar tossing drinks back and forth in The Greatest Showman. And I think that's, I was thinking about that scene before you even, met, before you even brought up Zach Efron. That's a great scene to show the difference. Wherein, in La La Land's, that would have been a much more somber, introspective piece with just Zac Efron and Hugh Jackman. If we were trying to paint that movie in a La La Land-esque uh, performance, it would be Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron sitting alone in a quiet bar, and the focus is on just the two of them, you know? Whereas in the way they actually did it in The Greatest Showman, the entire bar is involved. It's a huge, fantastical showpiece um, and it's showing off the ranges of both the actors very well. Zac Efron and Hugh Jackman are both very talented actors and singers and uh, performance artists. But I don't know. Maybe it's just because I just watched La La Land like 20, 30 minutes ago. But there's just something about the way that La La Land, how how seamlessly they transition between song and mo- like performance and movie performance. You know what I'm saying? Like... Uh, in the scene where it's Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone looking for her Prius uh, after the party, whenever they first, like their first time actually spending, like spending time together. Um, it's the two of them alone on 
a beautiful LA evening just singing to their heart's content, but it's just the two of them and it's focused on just their performance and it's all one shot. It's all just one continuous take of them dancing and, you know, evolving. They start off the song not really knowing if one another is like something they want to pursue. Um, obviously, um, obviously Emma Stone had shown um, preference toward Ryan, towards Ryan Gosling in the scene before that. Yeah, she was horny kinda, on Maine from the beginning. But they kind of they develop their relationship in a very real way. Um, from Emma Stone just thinking this is kind of like a jackass pianist that hell hey maybe maybe he's kind of cool. And especially for Ryan Gosling or Sebastian, I'm not sure if I should call them by their stage names or by their real names, but I'm just going to kind of flip between both of them. Ryan Gosling's character definitely goes through a range, like a wide range of emotions in that scene from very serious to flirty to almost standoffish back to, I mean, that's the moment. That's probably the moment. That's the moment that is on all of the cover pictures, all of the po- movie posters, all of the promotional images, um, is the scene of them against that purple and blue L.A. morning sunlight. And it's really Ryan Gosling's character making that decision. Okay, this is the, this is the person that I'm going to try. You know, I've never tried for a woman before. My sister got on to me earlier in this movie for it. Like, I've never really wanted to give anybody that isn't into the things that I'm into a chance until I met this girl. And this is the girl that's going to make me try, you know? Well, and then, like, immediately after that, you've got a scene where, or it's pretty quickly after that, Ryan's character shows up to the to the coffee shop that she's working at. And, you know, they go and they talk and they're walking down the studio set. And, you know, she just flat out says, Oh, I don't like jazz. And in that moment, which is probably 30 minutes away from when he said, I would never date anybody that doesn't like jazz. He, it, he immediately course corrects and he's like, well, I mean, I, it's obviously maybe it's not the best because he's, you know, trying to force her to like jazz. Like he takes her to a bar to try and make her like jazz, but it's like, he wants to work for that person. He wants to work for her to, because that's the, you know, someone that he really cares about. It's him showing that he's capable of trying now. Whereas before he would have just, if it wasn't the right girl, he would have just dismissed her. That's not anything worth my time, which is a very one note character, you know, way of uh, experiencing life. But it's his character. And that's how the movies portrayed him up to this point. Whereas like previously he would have just, I already said that, but he would have just dismissed them. He would have written, written them off as not the one, but he met Emma Stone or Mia or Maya or whatever. And he's wanting to try like, this is him saying, no, this girl is worth it. And it just makes that ending like talking about it right now. It makes that ending just hurt even more. Yeah. And I think, I think that ending, I wish I had seen this movie at a different time. Cause I think that ending would still hold just as much brevity or, uh, you know, like as much gravity to it, even if you've never, if you've not had something that's similar to his experiences. Like, even if you see it throughout the movie, I feel like it's shot and paced so well that when that happens, it's like, 
oh, I mean, I do, I do genuinely feel bad for him. Like he's, he's now stuck. He's happy because he's not on that, that band touring around, but he's like, man, I can't stop or I can't help but think of what could have been. Um, and my situation is more, uh, you know, an, an unhealthy, like, oh, I've been there before. I've, I've had those exact same thoughts, which is a reason why I should have saw this when it came out. It's a, it's a damn good movie. But yeah, I mean, it's because when he first says, oh, I will never date anybody that doesn't like jazz. My immediate thought of the character is, oh, he's going to do a quarter turn as soon as he finds that out. But no, it's like, no, he wants to work because he really likes his person. Um, And it shows as they go through. And I'm glad that I'm glad that was the conflict because I was thinking, you know, we're we're almost halfway through the movie as we're watching it. And I was like, okay, so like they're going to do a quick fake breakup and then they're going to get back together. And while they do a breakup, you know, they don't get back together. They end sitting next to each other um, at the observatory that they were at, you know, saying, hey, I'm always going to love you. But that's it. They don't get back together. And then it cuts to five years later. And that's what sucks. It's it's a very real emotion to feel whenever they realize that I love you. I will always love you. But we're not the ones for each other. And it's something that, I mean... Anybody who's, you know, had a relationship that was that intense and gone through those emotions and those feelings, anybody who's gone through any sort of emotion or heartbreak or feeling like that has, they've got a, they've got a leg in this game. They've got stock invested in these characters and in these emotions and in these feelings in the movie that in a perfect world, in any other movie, yeah, there's an ending that's easy to wrap up in a tiny little bow. And they show that little bow at the end of the movie. They give you a flashback and show you what could have been, but ultimately they wouldn't have been in the places where they are. And even if they chose each other back then, who knows what actually would have happened. This is just what could have happened. And what did happen is they weren't the right ones for each other. They weren't, you know, they weren't the perfect fit for each other and it sucks ass. It's a quote, a turn of phrase. It sucks a whole lot of ass. But then it also shows through the beginning, like they were what each other needed to get started. Uh, they both helped each other to, to move towards where they are at the end of the movie for better and for worse. And I think the movie overall, kind of like I said earlier, is made well enough that even if you don't have those emotions to fall back on, you don't have to look at it and be like, you know, I would really appreciate this movie if I had a gut-wrenching heartbreak. It's like, no. It's all wrapped up nicely enough that just through the acting and through the storytelling, I can have the best substitution for those those real-life feelings to understand it and give it the context I need. Anybody who's had a dream and had either somebody else or maybe even themselves say to them that they can't do it, you know, which is unfortunately a vast majority of people, whether, like I said, whether it's you telling yourself that or somebody else telling you that or a significant other telling you that or your parents telling you that or whatever, anybody who's had that drive, that want for more in their life can relate to this movie because... That's ultimately, going back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier, that's ultimately what this movie's trying to tell you about L.A. The movie's called La La Land. Like, 
not not unintentionally LA LA is twice in the movie. It's all about Los Angeles. It's all about it's it almost it's it's tough to say and I don't know if I'm fully like behind saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. The main character of this movie is Los Angeles. Because it like anything that Emma Stone or Ryan Gosling goes through is just background to the feelings and emotions that everybody that goes to LA and tries to make it big in Hollywood and tries to work at a cafe on the Warner brothers lot for, I'm just going to do this for six months and then I'm going to make it break in big in Hollywood. And it's four years later and I'm still working at the same coffee shop and I'm still doing the same thing day in and day out. Everybody has felt that in some way or another. And unfortunately, that's the reality of entertainment. People glamorize this end-all, be-all. If I want to make it, I have to make it in this exact way with these exact people at this exact time. Otherwise, it's all just nonsense. The fact of the matter is, at the end of the movie, they show you what doing, like, what not following that L.A. dream could be. They both, it, it sounds bad to say settle, but they both settle for their like their dreams with each other and in that flashback scene and they show each other what that what could have been what could have been if they just let their pre preconceived notions of what LA and what fame and what glamour should be if they if they just let that go they absolutely could have made it work they could have made their relationship work but that's not LA that's not Hollywood and that's not unfortunately how that how the world works i guess i just didn't expect the movie because it just makes me have an introspection on so much stuff that it's at some points kind of hard to think and talk about it's it's a tough movie to watch like not in a oh this movie's bad or oh this movie's sad it's just it's constantly throwing it into your face that Yes, you think that this is what success could be or what this is what success is. You know, it's hard as humans. It's hard to kind of put those emotions aside and say, what's going to make me actually happy? You know, Hollywood and being a famous actor or actress or in Sebastian's case, being a famous jazz pianist. You know, it's hard to say that that won't bring me happiness but if you actually sit down and think about it, will that bring you happiness? Will the constant goings on of Hollywood or L.A. or, you know, the bullshittery you have to deal with with the L.A. crowd like they showed off multiple times in the movie dealing with that? Is that really worth leading a life where you don't experience the same happiness as other people as again to say it horribly, but the only words that are coming to mind to, to say is as like a common man, is that really so hard to deal with? You know, I don't know. That's what I got out of the movie was just, it's hard to let go of those preconceived notions of what success is whenever really success can be something that you can achieve handily in your day to day without the constant stresses and bombardment of hate and criticism and 
bullshittery that is success in the traditional sense. And again, it's not settling for something less than what you're worth. It's realizing what's actually making you happy and what's actually dis like who's who's making you happy is it you or is it these people because really ultimately it's only you that can make yourself happy other people can't make you happy you have to make that decision by yourself and this movie show does a great job of showing you know you can achieve every level of success that you can write down on a piece of paper and check all those boxes but are you really happy verdict's still out yeah, and I think I think the only like downfall I could give it is at the end because the big emotional finale is, you know, the song and everything. I don't think it shows, but I do get the feeling from it that uh Ryan's character is happy in his day-to-day. Like he goes to his place, he's cooking food, he really likes the work that he does. Just the only snippet we get is Emma Stone's character having a happy life, family, husband. Um and then we just go to him the bar. You get to see it looks like he's okay at home. You get to see right before he actually sees him and the crowd. I mean, he's he is vibing. He is zooted out of his mind. He's having a great time. But, you know, th- then the piece we get to ring out the movie is more of an emotional one. Absolutely. And like going like just to touch on that a little bit further, like the movie is not saying these people aren't happy. It's the exact opposite. They're saying these people are happy and they're you know, they're living a comfortable life and they're living the life that they always really wanted to live. But, you know, what what could be? What What is there that could have been? And it just, man, it makes everybody think about that. It makes everybody try to um, decide what... Sometimes in life, there's not a dis- definitive right answer. There's just answers. And whichever one you choose is the one that you live yeah, sometimes you have to you have to make a choice and it's not going to be easy or you may not feel right, but especially if you know it's a choice that's going to potentially lead you to to what you want to do, sometimes you got to do that jump. A fork in the road has two destinations. One might be different than the other, but neither one is the single destination. It's kind of cool. It's a very interesting movie. I it's worth a few watches, in my opinion. Um, it's about two hours long, so like not the worst length movie of all time to ingest a couple times in a day or whatever. Um, if you are a kind of person that likes to do that, I like to do that. Whenever I buy a brand new movie, like get the Blu-ray, I'll hit play. We'll watch the entire movie from beginning to end and then just hit play again like as soon as it ends just to absorb more of the movie. Um, if you're that kind of person, this movie is pretty easy to do, uh, twice in one day, or if you're not again, kind of what, um, Oh, I cannot remember what episode I brought it up on, but I, uh, brought up coming back to move to a movie at a different time in your life with new experiences, with new, uh, passions and new like interests, I guess. And you can get more out of the movie each and every time that you watch it. So this isn't, I'm I'm glad that you haven't experienced this movie yet, Tyler, because um, like you've said, you've related to more of the romantic symbolism and symbology in this movie. I'm excited to hear your thoughts of this after the podcast and after 
maybe six months or whatever if it comes up on Netflix and you watch it. I'm excited. I'm excited. This whole this whole podcast got me excited. I like I like watching movies. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. So, I mean, just kind of looking at what my queue is right now. We got a personal project we did alongside while we were watching this, um, and so it's probably gonna be about two weeks until I get to that. But I think once I do finish editing that. I'm going to overlay it and watch the movie with our commentary on it. Um, but then I also plan in that time to watch this movie on my own. Um, and I think this would be an interesting episode at some point in the future to do a, a retrospective on, you know, have it have it be like a shorter piece, maybe only 20 minutes, but just update on like on how that has changed. Or like like you were saying uh, in the hook episode, you know, since you've watched that movie quite a lot um, as you've gone through, you I mean, you were saying you watched it as a kid watch it as a young adult uh, or watch it as a kid, like a middle schooler, young adult. And then again, now, which is technically a young adult, uh, it's changed as you watched it. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see how this changes for me. Cause yeah, I only, I only connect to it on such, on such a scale because I've had, and you have too. It, it seems a little disingenuous to focus it about me, but we've had this heartbreak that's gone on and it's, it's really hard not to just think, exactly like he did in that end and that's what that's what grows me at the moment and like i was saying you know 10 minutes in that's why i'm disingenuously thinking sebastian leads this movie that may change that may change later this week if i watch it again that may change in two weeks when i watch it again absolutely yeah i'm i have nothing to say to that i'm like that was awesome just on a personal i would say this to sebastian too but just because you know, things didn't work out in that context doesn't uh, to say the movie is about uh, Sebastian, which, again, the case can be made either way, whether the movie's about Sebastian or Mia to say the movie's about Sebastian, you kind of have to bring in the context of he is happy at the end. He, you know, he's living a life. He's a lot better on his feet. Um a running gag in the movie is that he doesn't know how to fucking cook, which gets brought up a few times in the movie. But, you know, he learns. He learns... Th- when The more happy he is, the better at cooking he is. Like, whenever they have that date night, um, and he, Mia comes in after he's been on tour for a long time, and he has dinner, like, half prepared. He's still waiting on, like, the turkey or whatever. Main focus of that, mo- of that scene isn't the food, but... Whenever she first walks in, he seems like he ha- he's happy. He ha- he seems like he has his shit together. He seems like he's on the right path towards their relationship because he is back. He's showing, he's doing, he's, pr- he's providing effort towards the relationship. That is to say, as soon as things go sour in the conversation and they start to fight and the scene grows tenser and tenser and tenser, it ultimate cul- ultimately culminates in the turkey being burnt and the fire alarm going off. And that symbology kind of resonates throughout the end of the movie where they show Sebastian five years later in his apartment, condo, house, whatever, making this beautiful, elegant dinner out on his table just for himself. And so I think that's what the uh, director, Damien Chazelle, was trying to put like instill into us is he is happy. He's the happiest he's ever been. He's 
not in a bad space like whatsoever at the end of the movie just being with Mia is a different reality it's kind of like I'm taking online like whiskey sommelier classes right now there's no such thing as the best whiskey like you can get the most expensive aged 30 years uh, single malt scotch that's you've ever had in your life like you know the most expensive quote-unquote best whiskey but I'm still gonna go back to Jack Daniels every time just because that's what that it's just different it's what is most like oh what's the word I'm trying to look for not common but it's the most relatable it's the most relaxing to me I say Jack Daniels for me personally it would be Buffalo Trace Buffalo Trace is a cheap like $20, $30 bottle of whiskey um, that I found a few years ago. Don't add the fact that I'm 22 in here, Tyler. Jesus Christ. But I found it a few years ago, and I've loved it ever since. Have I tried more expensive, quote-unquote, better whiskeys? Yes, I have. Do I like them more than I like Buffalo Trace? No, it's because I found Buffalo Trace at the right time in my life and at the right... You know, it's the perfect whiskey for me. It's just different. Nothing's better. Everything's just different. And that's what they're trying to show off with me and Sebastian's relationship is that could if them being together was quote-unquote better, maybe. But is are they both perfectly happy now in their own individual lives, living their own, you know, Sebastian with his own club and Mia as a headlining leading actress in Hollywood with a family? Is that better? We don't know. It's just different. It's just two different paths that somebody took. And you got to you got to choose one, whichever one you choose, you got to live with. Unfortunately, you know, you can't have the best of every world out there. Or like, you know, an, another way to relate it, um, you know, obviously talking about whiskey and how, or, you know, the, just really, I mean, it could be any drink, you know, it, it just depends. Uh, but like, but like uh, podcast wise, you know, uh, quickly while you were talking, you know, I just looked up like a list of 25 best superhero movies. Um, and on here, you know, you do find some good ones. Like they've got Spider-Man 2, now they got X-Men 2. And I think the number one that they put down here is one of the uh, Christopher Nolan Right, Christopher Nolan, uh, the Dark Knight movies. Through my experience here, you and I, in what I believe would be our second episode, watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. I would honestly, like, if if I look at this top 10, uh, I would probably put that up in that top 10 area, which is going to be against, you know, some of these other ones, because it was a good movie. It just, everything is perspective-based, you know, and that's that's a big part of I'd say the very end of the movie, while, you know, the the bulk of La La Land is, of course, kind of about L.A. and then how that's going on and how it kind of like affects, you know, you, you see the two characters going through L.A. And then at the end, you get that nice perspective twist. Right. Can it be argued that Avengers Endgame is the greatest, you know, superhero movie of all time? Yeah, it can be because it's the most successful. It's the one that's appeared on the most screens, it's the highest grossing. I mean, that's basically the same as, uh, like best, but, or yeah, 
it can be you can make the argument that Avengers Endgame is the best movie of all time. But is that going to stop somebody from saying Batman the Killing Joke is? No, it's absolutely not. You're going to be connected to different elements and you're going to enjoy different things at different times. And you're going to enjoy different things because they're different, because it, you know, maybe it breaks the mold or maybe it appeals to you. Right. And just you got to bring that into every decision you make in life, whether if you see a fork in front of you is, are you going to think that one is inherently better than the other just because that's what society has kind of trained you towards? Like, Oh, I think of the, you know, mothers that pressure their kids to be a doctor, you know, is that quote unquote a better life? Probably. Yes. Is it also, a life full of pain and resentment and maybe not necessarily something that you want to do in your, like just personally, but rather something that society has told you that you need to do. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the difference. That's the uh, dichotomy of what they show in this movie of could Sebastian and Mia have worked it out together? Yes. Did they? No. Is that wrong? No, it's just sad. And it's, perfectly fine to be sad about things that could have been but you can't let yourself live there you got to focus on where you are now and where you want to be as a person and ultimately that's where you're going to find your happiness is where you want to be and i think i think a big thing is and yes you can go well you're only seeing a small snippet of it is but when you when you see the end of the movie he's thinking about what could be he's not thinking necessarily what I should have changed. Now there were some instances in that flashback where like John Legend comes up and he just gives him the hand and the dude walks away in in a, in life. If you're having a situation like this and maybe you are worried about the change, even after you do it, you know, try not to think about what could have been or what you should have done. You just got to reflect on the good stuff. Exactly. Like every relationship has a bunch of turds in it, but can you focus on, Excuse me, I had a whiskey burp halfway through there. You can look at what could have, should have, would have been, but that's not what happened. And it sucks to say that, but that's not what happened. And you kind of got to not let that define your, well, learn from it. If you feel like truly, honestly, you made the wrong decision, learn from it. But you can't turn back the past. You can't go back to the first time that you met your girl, your current wife or whatever and think what would have happened or your potential wife and think what would have happened if I kissed her the first time I met her instead of giving her the cold shoulder, literally. You can think about that and you can learn from it for next time, but you can't change that. And as much as that sucks to say, it's also kind of a beautiful like dichotomy of the human spirit for lack of a better word. Is good movie. Yeah, that's the moral of the story. Is good movie. Don't believe I said at the beginning of the podcast, but this movie is available to watch right now as of recording August 22nd of 2020. It is on H- Hulu through an HBO Max subscription. If you have the means to, I highly recommend watching this movie. The, mo- the name of the podcast is Stand vs. Man, and he came in as a man. Where, what are you leaving this movie as? Well, you know, so far, I feel like with our track record, our track record, we're sitting at 
one conversion of me becoming a stan on the hook episode or maybe it was turn it teenage mutant turtles and uh, zero from my end you, you've won me over again andrew you really know how to pick them uh i thought it, i feel like I let, you've selected some of your movies yeah, I would need I would need to re-listen, but I feel like uh, you've selected a great one. I would honestly be happy to stay in this movie, and I think as I give it subsequent views, you know, it's only gonna it's only gonna favor it more. That's what I love to hear. Obviously, I still stand the shit out of this movie. I love this movie. It's still in my top ten movies of all time. Tyler, my question to you is: What movie are you standing next week? Well, bum 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 bum. Ba-ba-ba-bum. Yeah, it's the Adams family. I'm not continuing just in case like we get attacked by that. But yeah, the Adams family, uh, debuting the one in 1991. It's got the wonderful Christopher Lloyd in it. Uh, that's what I want to stand next week. Is that the first one or the second one? Uh, I do believe that is the first one. On the brief synopsis here, it says, When a man claiming to be Fester, the missing brother of Gomez, arrives at the Adams house, the family is thrilled. However, we'll find out what happens when we watch the episode next week. I have not seen the, I've seen Adam's Family Values, which I think is the one where Pubert gets introduced. I only know that from Achievement Hunter. I think that's the one. Yes, because that's the one with uh, What's-Her-Face, the blonde girl, Debbie, I think is her name. Um, she, like, introduces herself into that movie. I haven't seen the original Adam's Family, though. I've only seen Values. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know I've watched this a couple of times. Uh, you know, first, I, I believe I just watched it with my mom and everybody over there. But I've come back to this a couple of times because it's not the best in the world, but I really enjoy it because I like the Adam's Family a lot, which is a theme I've noticed with a lot of my stands <laughs> is just enjoying a, an intellectual property. But hey, I'm a, I'm a human. All right, everybody, if you want to watch along with us uh, right now as of recording, August 22nd, 2020, this movie is available on Netflix just through a basic subscription. However, your results may vary whenever you listen to this podcast in the future or who knows, maybe by the end of this week, it'll be gone. Netflix is kind of dumb like that. But we hope that every single one of you joins us next week while we after we watch The Addams Family. But... With that being said, thank you everybody for watching. Uh, if you could follow us on Spotify, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to podcast, Apple or Google Play Podcasts, that's what I meant to say. Anywhere that you do listen to podcasts, that would be much greatly, very super duper appreciated. Other than that, thank you all for watching and we hope to catch you next time. Bye.